Live from the Mecca of Mormonism, this is Heart of the Matter, where we are relearning how to live in the age of fulfillment. How do you like that for an introduction? I'm Sean McCraney, your host. Last week in this new year of 2020, we talked about the dangers of bad eschatology and what it does to the lives of otherwise good Christian believers. And the thought of Christianity actually becomes muddied uh, for some people in the face of this eschatological view, which means view of end times. Are we in the end times? And uh, they, people wonder, hey, if Jesus already came, then they say, what now? What, what's left? And, and what's the point? And why would everything be focused on them then and not us now? And is there a purpose for life in Jesus if he's already come and taken his bride? And they just can't seem to get over that hurdle of what now and what next? And they're normal responses, especially when people have really bought into the idea that Jesus was going to come back in our future. I mean, I bought into that idea for a good number of years, and I, and I taught it, and I preached it, and I lived it until I was shown otherwise. So let me lay out some quick reminder facts before I go to the board tonight. Uh, we are not preparing for his return. We're preparing for our death. We're preparing to meet him in the sky, as it were, when we die. But we are not preparing for his return to come and destroy the earth. Therefore, we are not trying to keep the New Testament narrative uh, exactly as it was laid out by the apostles. Not trying to keep it. Therefore, we don't have to play church anymore. We don't have to have pretend authority. And we don't have to play generosity or, or play righteousness or play us versus them and or play the role of let's set everybody straight on their course and warn people about going to hell and works righteousness, all that stuff. Don't have to do it. Therefore, we Christians are at liberty to walk and live as Christians who are led of the Spirit in this world would walk. Therefore, two more therefores, because God is in us, he writes his laws in us, we are fully responsible for the lives we have. We can choose to believe, we can choose to not believe. Uh, it's a subjective faith according to the dictates of our conscience, how we read and understand the scripture, how we choose to live our life, what sins we're going to commit and what sins we're going to avoid. It's all going to be up to you. God writes his laws on the heart. The spirit has been sent. You know that preachers preach and teachers teach. You're going to decide. And that's what it's been ever since uh, Jesus came back. We don't live by letters of the law. Therefore, now's the final therefore. You ready? I suggest that true sons and daughters today of God are one. And I'm going to go to the board to write these up. So Seth's going to accompany me. And I'm going to go to this far one. Seth, can you see that? Seth can see it. So first I want to talk about God and how he relates to us. Okay. The first thing is God writes his laws in us. That's the first thing that God, ever since the fulfillment of everything, God writes his laws in us. Jeremiah 31. Okay. The second thing that we have is God gives us his Holy Spirit. So it is by the Spirit that we move and live. And the fruit of the Spirit is love. Okay, we talked all about love last year. 
as we wrapped up the year. The fruit of the Spirit is love. God is bestowing this upon us. And the final thing I can discern uh, that God gives to all those who believe in Him is power. In His might. And that means the power to overcome the flesh and the power through Jesus' name and by the Spirit to uh, walk better lives, to love other people. All of those things are bestowed today by God upon us. And you'll notice something about that, that the direction of God's gifts all point down. This is pointing down. You see that? All pointing down to us. Got it? Now in the next one over here, we have the believer's response. Response to what? Response to what God is giving us. We have the believer's response. And you'll notice, what do you notice about that? It's not a trick question. That it is all pointing up. Okay? So, all the other stuff has been taken care of by God. Everything else, and we're sort of like people, we're living in a world, let's say that we lived in a world where there were zombies everywhere. That's going to be the Old and New Testament time, okay? There were zombies everywhere. And God took care of zombies once and for all. That's what he did, okay, if you want to make a comparison. His work is complete. So we don't have to wander about, worried about zombies anymore. They're gone. We don't have to worry about uh, being suspicious if someone's a zombie or not. We don't have to worry about the hell of being a zombie. The, the, the whole idea of zombies is stripped from this world once Jesus fulfilled everything in the Old and New Covenant, okay? That's the parallel to it. We don't have to worry about those things. It's done. All the world is now, listen, either grateful and believing and seeking God, or they don't care and they think that we're just on our own and he's left us to ourselves. So there's believers and there's non-believers. Now, I'm only speaking to people of faith in this. This is what God sends people of faith today and has for the past 2,000 years. What does he send? He writes his laws upon believers' hearts. He sends the Holy Spirit to guide and, and teach us to love. And he gives us power through his might to overcome ourselves. That's a constant God sends to believers. That's who this is to. So if you're not a believer, this doesn't apply to you. Because he might be calling to you to believe on him, but these things don't come unless you're a believer. Okay, you got that? And again, looking to the board, those who are in relationship with God the Father through Christ are sons and daughters, constantly being offered those things. And then there are three ways that men, women, believers respond to what God has given them. You ready? The first one is, how do we choose to live? How do we choose to live? And that encompasses a lot, and I'm going to talk about that in a minute. The second one is the presence, this is really the first one, and increase of faith. Believers want to have, you got to have the presence of faith and the increase of faith. It sort of parallels into how you choose to live. And the third one is, what is the condition of your heart. I suggest that in response to these three things that God sends to believers, these are the three things that the believers have to be concerned about. 
One, what is, this is really number one, what is the presence and how is the increase of their faith going along? Two, how are they choosing to live their lives, you and me? And three, how's the heart, the heart ground of your life? Okay, so let me talk to those. Our responsibility is a key factor into God reaching down with these. He reaches down with those. How we respond to what he's giving is vital to us, you see? And so we understand that a believer's faith is present. But how does the faith increase? That's why I write in a believer, the believer's response today in this age, since everything's fulfilled, what's it all about? Is there a presence of faith and is there an increase of faith? How does the faith increase in a believer's life? Does it come by sitting on a rock and, and saying a mantra? It does not. Does the faith come by praying? It does not. This is not what scripture says. The faith comes by hearing and reading the word of God. So you want to increase your faith. Why does that increase? Because in reading the word of God, you learn about what God wants and you either believe in it or you don't. If you choose to believe in it, your faith is growing. You see? So the writer of Hebrews says this about faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Twice in that verse, he uses things, things. And I suggest that those things are the promises of God that he makes in his word to believers. So we could read it this way. Faith is the substance of the promises of God hoped for, the evidence of the promises of God not seen. The way a believer learns the promises of God is by reading the word. When you read the word, you're hearing, reading, hearing the faith, and your faith increases. So this is important in the Christian's life, to be in the word and to be reading, okay? So... Um, it seems like God wants his children's faith to constantly be growing. And that's all I, that's the way I would put that. And so the first principle in the completed age is, does a believer have the presence of faith? And is that faith increasing? Is it increasing? And then again, how does it increase by reading the word? Uh, and, to, and learning what the promises of God. The second thing that a Christian has in their life is what I call their heart condition. And why do I point this out? Because you can be a Christian who started off when you were 17 and you had a great heart for God for seven years, and then your heart becomes hard and bitter and you fall away from it and you don't, your heart isn't working with it. So maintaining the heart ground is really important in a post-second uh, coming uh, Christianity. You want your heart to be soft and humble and contrite and willing to learn and grow. So you maintain your heart ground and it's kept from hardness and from stones and weeds and invaders. And it remains soft to his way and his words so that the roots can grow deep into us, the roots of faith, and the fruit can grow up. Deep roots, big fruits is what you want. That can only happen on a heart that remains soft with good ground. That's why I make it that. The infiltrators of heart ground, according to Jesus and his teachings, are being offended by what the word says, so it means you're in the word, and by the cares and riches of the world. So post Jesus' second coming, you want to make sure you're increasing in faith and you want to make sure that your heart is not becoming hard or invaded by stones or varmints or whatever else. 
This brings us to the third thing. How the, really what it is is the liberty, how we use our liberty, how we choose to live as Christians. That is your decision. That, remember, this is the believer's response. God is giving his laws on your heart. You're choosing how to follow them. He's giving his Holy Spirit to guide you. You're choosing how to live. He is giving a power in his might to you if you want to grow, but you are choosing. This is the two-way street. And so how we choose to use the liberty we have in Christ is the third point of what the purpose is of being a Christian post uh, his return. This is an individual subjective decision, and it, which every person, every person makes how they're going to choose to live their life. And we all have that responsibility. I completely reject the idea that God puppeteers our every move. I cannot understand a God like that. I don't understand the human experience that way. But I do understand a God who is equipping us with his, by his love through the Spirit, and he's giving us the liberty to choose. And so therefore, we, you and me, are accountable for the choices we make on what we are going to do. I would gently suggest that the difference between a non-believer and the true believer, meaning true sons and daughters of God, is defined by how they use the liberty they have in this life, what they choose to do with them, what they, how they choose to live. That is the difference between a non-believer and a believer. You can have someone who says, I'm a believer, but they live a different life by choice you have to wonder how much of a believer they are. The dividing line between believers and non-believers is how they each choose to live. The believer is receiving the Holy Spirit. He's receiving the power of his might. He's had the laws of God written on him, but there's still a choice to be made of how you're going to pursue that, okay? So when we take all of this stuff together, we come over to this last one, and let me just start over here. And here is the God one. And remember, we have his Holy Spirit. We have his uh, laws on our hearts and minds written. And we have his power. That's what God gives to us. And then our response is our heart ground. And then also, what was the other one? The increase of faith, which comes by the hearing of the word. And then the final one is how you choose to live your Christian life. This is what it's all about. What, it, what it's all about. And every individual who is a believer in Christ has this star of David on their shoulder and they're living by it day by day. You can see there's still great purpose and meaning in the Christian existence. There is you growing and maturing with God in you and working with you. There's not just this hopelessness. Why does, does God want to do all this thing? For the same reasons he was doing it before Jesus came. It's all to get individuals to mature and grow and learn to love. And this, these are the things we're going to be talking about in the coming year together. When it's, what's the point now? You say he's come back. What's the point? It's going to get interesting because I plan to begin our progress through the questions of Christian living by, in the fulfillment age that refer to things like, do you need to be married? Who can be married? 
What does marriage mean? We're going to talk about sex. We're going to talk about relationships. We're going to talk about birth control. We're going to talk about all the things that the former Christian world loved to put their thumbs on and say, we control this. No, it's different because it's all in liberty now. It's in the liberty on how you choose to live with God having given you his spirit and writing his laws upon your heart and giving you the power to live according to his ways. And so we're going to lay out whether we need dogmatic stances on things like abortion and things like uh, euthanasia and, and all the things that come. We're going to talk about educational pursuits. We're going to talk about science and evolution and LGBTQ and atheism and, and flat earth versus round earth. Someone I know loves this one. And, and cremation and political stances and occupations and, and finances and a whole bunch more. What does it mean to be a Christian in this world if Jesus has finished everything? It's all done, and yet we're here believing on him. These are the core, this is the core foundation here on the board that Seth is showing you, and we're going to build upon that specifically. We're going to do this by taking the principles of Christ and the facts of fulfillment and offer some reasonable, contextual, uh, put the traditions of men to bed approach with humble, contrite living. And the point is not only to openly affirm the purpose of living post Christ's second coming, but to show the idiocy of continuing to propagate some of the thinking and traditions we have said have to be in place to be a good Christian. That's baloney. So stay tuned, write your comments and questions below, tune in with us tomorrow night here on Heart of the Matter, and this is what we're gonna be, begin to talk about. Open up your minds to the thoughts here. Challenge it. Question it. Wait a minute. What about this? That, those are great questions to write. Wait a minute, Sean. You say this is it. Well, what about this that we're always talking about? What about that? Write your comments so that we can open it up and talk about it. And uh, we're going to just keep going in this effort. We'll see you here tomorrow night here on Heart of the Matter.